good brother, good brother, good brother! The goodest of brothers. Ah, uh, you are the good son. And you are the good father. <laughs> Dude, that'd be a good tag team. The good son and the godfather. <laughs> <laughs> we got Macaulay Culkin and, uh, and Marlon Brando. <laughs> Wasn't that right? Yeah, Is but I was right? more thinking good WWE's son? godfather. But yeah, yeah. Well, no, we got We just got to stick to what we got. If we're going with Macaulay Culkin, we got to go with Marlon Brando. <laughs> All right. That, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Can they make a and rap then, album? That's the question. They, they can, but Macaulay Culkin's uh, um, weakness would be bees. Am I right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they got the bees. Don't, uh, don't get the, the killer bees in there. Brian, Brian B. Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel. The killer bees. <laughs> They'd take out the good son and the godfather. Uh, I'm just going to take you for your word that that's an actual tag team and not something you, you just made up on the spot. You don't remember the Killer Bees? I don't think anybody does, probably. We're Jumping on the Murder Jim Hornets Br- now. Jumping Jim Brunzel and Brian B. Blair. Oh, they were huge <laughs> back in the 80s. Wouldn't back he be bumping Bim Bruns, whatever? They gotta well, be bees, right? Because Brian B. Blair in, got well, it right. Brunzel is a B. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, he'd smoke a couple J's ahead of time. That's the jumping gym. <laughs> Two J's and a B. Hey, B, BJ's pretty good. He might get a BJ. We don't know. <laughs> Where was Sonny at this time? I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, just maybe, we'll find out, Fat Mac. In this week's This Week in Pro Wrestling History. Well, Pasty, you know, last week we actually talked about Ron Simmons becoming the first African-American to hold a major world title in wrestling, which was the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Well, today we talk about another major move for black wrestlers. Fifteen years ago today, Pasty, at the NWA TNA Weekly Pay-Per-View from Nashville, Tennessee, Ron the Truth Killings, known in WWE as R-Truth now, the, uh, I guess, can we call him the greatest 24-7 champion? Yeah, no, that's easy. Yeah, definitely, hands down. Okay, we will. Well, at that time, before he was a joke, he defeated Ken Shamrock, yes, a legit shoot fighter, to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. With the win, Killings became the first, and to this day, Paste, he only officially recognized African-American NWA world champion ever. And the that's show's crazy featured, and hard to believe. That's, that's very hard to believe, to be honest. And you, you would hope after this pandemic ends, uh, Billy Corgan would probably end that streak. But we will see what happens. In the show's featured bout, of course, Low-Key defeated AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn in a three-way bout to win the TNA X Division Championship. And the rest of the card went as follows, Pasty. We've seen the Flying Elvises. Yes, the Flying Elvises. That was Jimmy Yang, Jorge Estrada, and Sonny Sakai. I love Jimmy Yang. Defeating Amazing Red, Joel Maximo, and Jose Maximo. We also seen Malice 
who, uh, if people watched WCW back at the end of the WCW days, was known as The Wall, and he had the sinister minister James Mitchell with him. He defeated Don Harris in a first blood match. Of course, Don Harris is a uh, legit Aryan Nation supporter, and uh, we despise that fucker. Jeff Jarrett defeated Gran Apollo in an NWA World Heavyweight title number one contenders match. Bruce, who you may remember as WCW's Queewee. <laughs> you pro- but you probably don't. But you probably don't. I know <laughs> that name, though. Oh, he was a, uh, a homosexual hairdresser manager is what he was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he defeated Taylor Vaughn in a Miss TNA evening gown match, which is just sad. Just sad. <laughs> and uh, as we said, Loki defeated AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn to win the NWA TNA X Division Championship. So last week we celebrated the anniversary of Ron Simmons becoming the first African-American world heavyweight champion. And this week... Um, Ron Killings, who I don't think most people would ever assume would be the first and or only NWA African-American champion. He's he's kind of, um, he's changed a lot from NWA T- slash TNA to WWE. Am I right, Pasty? Yeah, yeah. But it's safe to say he's held a lot more gold in WWE. Uh, that is true, but probably not as prestigious gold. <laughs> fool's gold. Uh, fool's gold. <laughs> fool's gold. It's uh, not we the will. truth. We can say, though, that he's, he's obviously making way more money now, just being yeah. 24-7 champion than he was then. But um, I think people need to people need to step back and recognize the actual talent of uh, Ron Killings, R-Truth. The he truth, has such a long, storied career, it boggles my mind. Because I didn't know hardly anything about him until, the you know, his, his WWE run, which has been a long time in itself. Well, but even before that, in, um, I want to say, early 2000s, maybe 1999, he actually teamed with Rodog as K-Quick, and they had a tag team together. Oh, so he was shit, actually, yeah. He, yeah, he was actually in WWF before it was WWE. So That's he's so crazy actually, to think about. and I think he held tag team gold with, with uh, Road Dogs, so he, he's actually a champion from way back, and people just kind of, I think, get lost in the current character and don't remember his legacy. I hope people would sit back and remember the legacy of Ron Killings. Um, he's doing the right thing now. He's He is an older gentleman. He's got to be in his 50s, and he's probably yeah. doing the right thing for his career right now. He's got the best comedic timing in all of WWE, hands down, I believe. Oh, 100. So I, I don't dog him for what he's doing. I just wish that more people would actually recognize the impact he made before becoming like Vince. what he was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's some good stuff. Very good. Which is exactly the opposite of what we have uh, submitted ourselves to this week as you and I have both sat down for ourselves and watched the worst pay-per-view in history. Not only was this probably the worst pay-per-view in history, this set out to be the worst pay-per-view in history. They weren't trying 
to make a Wrestle Kingdom 14. They were trying to make, um, they were trying to make Talk and Shop a Mania, pasty. Exactly. And what ensued was possibly, well, definitely the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen. But at the same time, the biggest golden nugget of pure art in the world of professional wrestling I've seen in an incredibly long time, maybe ever, because this was pure parody. This was Weird Al meets professional wrestling and fuck shit up. Oh my god, this is the UHF of pro wrestling. It is. Wow, I didn't even think of that, but that's awesome, Pacey. Uh, Thank you. This is the UHF of... Uh, wow! <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... It, um, it, it goes out of its way to be so bad, but at the same time, it's so fucking entertaining. It is. Super, like, the whole time. There were there, maybe, there were a couple times it got kind of, there was a lull here and there. But even when there was a lull, it was like, okay, it's a lull in a shitty match. <laughs> like, I can go and make a sandwich real quick and come back, and I'm not even worried about missing out on anything. So it's good. <laughs> it was it was a, a definitely an interesting hour and a half long pay-per-view. That's right, folks. I said hour and a half pay-per-view in the same sentence yeah that's that's crazy to think what's more crazy to think is this only costs 14.99 to buy it on fight and once you buy it it belongs to you forever you own it forever and ever and ever it's uh god let's just let's break it down for the people and make them need to see it okay so first of all it, it opens up at the very beginning we got Doc Gallows, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, and Rocky Romero. Rocky motherfucking Romero. Surprises right ah, from the jump. So happy to see him there. Oh, it was good. And they actually, I think the best thing they could have done was do this intro because they explained that this show was not something to take seriously and was about having fun. Yeah, it's not for the easily offended. It is. It is meant to piss you off. It is meant to be... The worst pay-per-view in history. They're at uh, Gallo's property, and um, they kind of spent this uh, intro just talking about how much the show was going to (laughs) suck. How you probably want to be drunk to watch it. And, yeah, they said you want to be drunk. If you don't drink, you want to smoke. If you don't smoke, (laughs) you want to meditate. Just get in a special mindset for what you are going to watch. And that's good advice, and I think it's great that they opened the show this way so that you didn't expect uh, another all-in. This, yeah. wasn't, this wasn't non-WWE guys coming together to put on one of the best wrestling shows ever. This was non-WWE guys getting together to have fun, fuck around with their friends, and make a little bit of money. That's all it was. And get drunk at the same time. And get drunk at the same time. (laughs) And why the fuck not? And for being the, uh, for being a, a a worst pay-per-view in history, this definitely was a star studded show. There was a lot of surprises and secrets throughout. Uh, the, the first surprise revealed was Teddy Long. 
Player, 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 Oh, boy. So we started the actual event off with the Social Distancing Battle Royal. Which was um, got one of the highlights of the show, Pasty. <laughs> this was <laughs> damn right. WCW used to start off with uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. They started off with Social Distancing Battle Royal. You had Freight Train. You had... Um, Breakout star of the night, mind you. <laughs> you had... Um, uh, um, uh, uh, oh, oh, who... Uh, fuck, whose is it? Uh, Bearded Mom. I... Oh, fuck. Um, I, I'm just I, lost I, now. I'm not sure who the wrestler is because I'm not well-versed in very many non-WWE or non-signed you know non -signed talent, I suppose. Uh, but no, Freight Train was my favorite. He he uh, played a big, slow, dumb dominator, much like Big Show, Mark Henry, Braun Strowman. And he had some awesome one-liners as he kind of, like, assists the people out of the ring over the top rope. Because he definitely wasn't throwing people out. My favorite being, it's choo-choo oh, um, time. <laughs> it's choo-choo time. Alex Kozlov, who is the, uh, there you go. the partner of Rocky Romero in... Um, Um, oh, fuck, what was their tag team called back in New Japan? I mean, it's not Rapungi Vice, so it doesn't mean It is much. not Rapungi Vice. <laughs> <laughs> not near as good as Rapungi Vice. Anyways, um, yeah, he was he was, um, he was was Rocky Romero's tag team in ROH in New Japan. So Alex Kozlov's uh, bearded mother came in, um, which, which was just so much fun. I just loved it. She starts whacking the shit out of people with her purse, throwing people over. Freight train is throwing people. All, all they're doing is running and jumping over. Freight train's not doing anything. He slightly touches them on their shoulder as they jump over. Like, this isn't him throwing people out at all. That's not what this is. Um, it's super fun. Chico El Luchador ends up uh, winning it at the at the Oh, behest you're of missing Chavo a bunch Guerrero of people. You, what about Stang showing up? That was awesome. Oh, there was a ton of people that were in Mike here. Bennett. Mike Bennett showed up, got in the ring, and eliminated himself immediately. Uh, yeah, for no reason. Brian Pillman Jr. was just that was like the most random addition to the to to the battle royal, and I thought that was funny. Uh, Heath Miller came out dressed as Sting. That's the stank you're talking about. Yeah, we we loved uh, fucking stank. Um. Who else? We talked about Alex Kozlov. Um, that's about the, the the main ones. My favorite, my favorite, the, the Brian Pillman Jr. being in the match. And the commentators the whole time are just applauding his ability to sell and bump. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love. I love it. That is fucking awesome. It's the shit you you don't get that shit in any other wrestling, and it's great. 
Um, then we had Dave Penzer, which was awesome to fucking see, and my God, he's looking old. And uh, he introduced a contract on a pole match. Which, oh, it was a contract on a tree match. Which, yes, exactly. That's, it was a uh, purse <laughs> nailed to a tree is what it was. <laughs> which, again, is just, like, this is what this is about. It's complete parody. You used to have a briefcase hanging over the ring with a ladder. This is just a purse that's nailed to a tree. Without but they weren't going to start the... that match. That That isn't what happened. But we did end up, uh, we ended up having a, uh, Nature Boy Paul Lee. Woo! We see him pull up to the event. Well, actually, actually, hold up. Before that, we seen, uh, Mike Bennett selling, selling pills to Sex Ferguson. <laughs> yep. What kind of pills? I don't know. These little, uh, th- those were fun little things. Oh, we got yeah. Nature Boy Polly, and for those of you who don't know, Nature Boy Polly is a wrestler from the uh, early to mid-90s who literally made his reputation on just biting Ric Flair's style. He did the whole Ric Flair thing, um, and he, and I think everybody says, he was good enough to be a mid-card guy if he hadn't have played the Ric Flair card. But as soon as you play the Ric Flair card, unless you're better than Ric Flair, it doesn't work. And Paul Lee is not even close to Ric Flair. Um, so it was great for me as an old-school fan to see Paul Lee show up. He had his car with Woo on the front and Nate on the plates. And he took on Frankie Coverdale. Yes. And um, Nature Boy kind of got Frankie Coverdale in a headlock and started uh, punching him and wooing every time he punched him. (laughs) And they just got sick of that and quit quit airing the match. (laughs) Yeah. They do that a lot in this event. They do that a lot. They're just like, ah, this is bullshit. Let's go to the next thing. I love that. Uh, I love, I love when Paul Lee's walking to the ring and he he's walking by Maria Bennett dancing in a bikini, and he like looks and stops and smiles at her and walks on and has this big overweight lady in a bikini. It's Big Bertha just dancing. So funny. And it's just shallow howled it for again for no reason. It has yeah. nothing to do it's, with anything. It's just, just there. That's just what they did. <laughs> Talk I about lo- that after it. after Chico won the battle royal. Chavo's on on Chavo Guerrero's on on commentary in this match because obviously uh, Chico El Luchador is played by Rocky Romero. <laughs> but Chavo's no way. What? <laughs> what? I don't. What? Know, I just ruin your childhood. <laughs> you, 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 fuck! It's still real to me, bro. But Chavo's sitting there, sitting there on commentary, like threatening to kill. Him. He was made in like Bolivia or something. He wasn't even made in Mexico. I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> I'm gonna teach him a lesson he won't forget. He'll really be dead, so he may forget it. But he's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then and then he goes and shoots at him with a with a shotgun with a little BB gun, <laughs> and uh, misses him, chasing him with a butcher knife and shit throughout the event. It's so good. Um. Uh, then we had uh, Stump Kowalski versus George North, uh, which was kind of a parody of George South. I don't know if anybody listening to this knows George South, but that's what it was. This is a hardcore match, <laughs> and um, it's just so much fun. The best part was when he has a uh, does he has a, like a, a cake sheet? And he yeah, the sheet pan. Hit, I got that in my notes too. That's yeah, he goes to hit George North <laughs> in the head, and then when they switch, it turns into what a kendo stick. Yeah, right? just to do it. Yep. <laughs> And it's like the shittiest kendo stick because it's made out of a cardboard box just taped together. Yeah, like, and they even and they call it out on commentary. They're like, yeah. "Oh my god, he magically switched his cake sheet to a kendo stick!" Like, oh, it's so so fucking awesome. And of course, if, if those of you who don't know and didn't watch it, Stump Kowalski is a little person. Yes, uh, George North is not a little person. Um. Oh, I also and... love when George North grabs Kowalski in the, the headlock, and then they just go walking, like, just it really leaning into as As long as you got him in a headlock, you can go anywhere. You can you control him. <laughs> actually, you know, surprisingly, and this is an exaggeration, obviously, what happened here, but in um, amateur wrestling, which my son dabbled in amateur wrestling, they teach you as soon as you have your opponent in a headlock – you control where they go. <laughs> oh! Um, and again, they uh, cut away from this match before it's over. <laughs> because, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. It really is. Uh, yeah, that whole match, I think, was for the shitty camera edits. And that that's just, it's amazing. It was, it was, it was... It was really fun, and um, I guess we should say later, I, I don't know where to put this in, but later we end up seeing the two of them fighting in um, Gallows' house, mm-hmm. and um, his son is sitting there playing, uh, 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 playing with action figures with a couple other guys. And his son actually ends up kicking North into Kowalski, and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, that's kind of how that segment ends. I, I think it's fun that Gallo's son gets involved. Um, there were there are a couple other guys there, and I don't know who they are. Kurt Hawkins was there. It was it was Gallo's kid or his two was sons. Was it Kurt Hawkins? Yeah, and Brian Myers or Kurt Hawkins. Oh, okay, Brian people. Myers. There you go. Okay, yeah. okay. I didn't. I honestly didn't recognize him. Yep, yep, yep. So that's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh it was Gallo's son that ended up kicking him, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Fun fun stuff, and then. Later on, like, a whole lot of shit happened in between that. But then later on, they uh, they ended up ending the segment when they came back. This is about halfway through the pay-per-view. <laughs> when uh, 
Kowalski ends up winning after knocking North down a a slide at their pool area. <laughs> Into a pool. Can we just call that the finish? This is so shitty. Yeah, the match is done. Nobody cares about this shit. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a real finish. They just ended it. But then they pan over and we see Paul Lee still punching and wooing on, on Coverdale. Just woo, woo. Woo! He's just—he's still having fun with him. Those were some of my favorite spots when the matches kind of overlap throughout. Oh, like, it was great. well after you had forgotten about them. Like, yeah, you, you figured that they were done with them, and they came back. I guess in the uh, in the showbiz world, they call that a callback. Yes. Ooh, ooh! So then we had a Teddy Long sanctioned tag team match. This is one of the best things ever. This is, this I think this is one of my high points of the whole whole thing. So Teddy Long comes out and sets up this tag team match. It's the '80s Russians taking on the Jungle Kittens. The Jungle Kittens. God, I love them. <laughs> Which totally isn't a jab at Jurassic Express at all. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love because this match, like. They, the commentary's shitting on them from the time they're coming out. Both teams get an entrance, which doesn't happen, I don't think, at any other point in this pay-per-view. And they right. definitely call to it, oh, he didn't even get an entrance a bunch of times. Uh, but this, they, they had a, a like a decent in-ring work match. And the commentary team spent the entirety of this fast-paced Pace tag team squash match talking about the referee in the ring wearing a hat and how cool he is. <laughs> and this was the one match where they actually worked. Yeah, yep. Like this was a legit match. <laughs> totally speaking to WWE's tag it. team division. Right. <laughs> but then um, the Russians won. But Long said that this wasn't the 80s. This was the 90s, player, <laughs> which just shows how delusional he is anyways, that it's, he thinks it's still the 90s, and they brought out Raven's Flock. We've seen uh, Sick Boy, we've seen Lodi, and of course we've seen Big Ron Reese, who wrapped himself up in toilet paper, and for folks, I don't know how many folks will get this reference, Pasty, I'm not sure, but I'm going to explain it. Back in Halloween Havoc 96, Hulk Hogan threw, well, he, he had a sumo wrestling match with monster trucks on the top of a skyscraper with yes. the giant. That already sounds like, that already sounds like that's the weirdest <laughs> fucking thing, and it's not. So then Hulk Hogan threw on uh, the giant over the building before their actual in-ring match. And again, sounds like the weirdest thing, but it isn't. Happened in 2020, guys. <laughs> so, when the main event came, Hulk Hogan's in the ring, and Andre the Giant comes out. Not a, or not Andre the Giant, I'm sorry. Paul White, the Giant. The big show, if you will. Yes. Comes out. Not a scratch on him. And he's fighting Can we Hulk call Hogan. him Nandre the Giant? We can call him not. We should call him Nandre the Giant. <laughs> so during the match, the Yeti shows up, which is just a giant guy wrapped in gauze. Looks like a mummy, 
Why a mummy is a yeti? I don't fucking know. Nobody knew. And um, Nandre the giant has Hogan in a bear hug, and the yeti comes behind him and hugs him in another bear hug, and they both ensue to thrust their groins into Hulk Hogan <laughs> to end Halloween Havoc uh, 1990. I, I said 96. I believe it's 95. 1995. The yeti. <laughs> so. Ron Reese is best known for butt-fucking Hulk Hogan. And he came out with the toilet paper wrapped around him in a in a parody of the Yeti. So I, I thought that was awesome. You know what? Honestly, I don't know how many people caught that. But for the people that did, it was the most funniest it was fucking great. thing ever. It was great. We loved it. We love the Yeti butt-fucking Hulk Hogan. Let's just be honest. And and we love the flock. The fact that Sick Dude, Boy it was and the Bodie flock. Were there. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Where's Raven? Everybody's been waiting for Raven this whole time. I kind of thought he might actually be there. I, I was expecting him, to be honest. Uh, and he didn't show up. But we did get some other guys. We got yes, Rhino. We did. we did. We got BPJ again. Brian Pillman Jr. Um, we got Rim uh, Job. We got, yeah, yeah, Kim Chi came out. <laughs> and I don't think it's the original Kim Chi, but they got a good Kim Chi outfit. Yeah. And they renamed him Rim Job. For yes. those of you who don't remember Kim Chi, he was a manager back in the day, most famously associated with uh, Kamala. <laughs> um, we had Chavo riding a toy pony. Chavito, no, that was uh, Pepe or Pepe, <laughs> Pepe as Luke Gallows called him. Um, those of you might remember in WCW when he turned insane when Eddie, uh, Eddie was trying to break him, and then Eddie finally broke him, and he came out and he was insane, and he started riding a, a hobby horse named Pepe, and uh, and freaked Eddie out so much that Chavo ended up actually beating Eddie because he because Eddie turned him more insane than Eddie was fucking crazy. So we had Pepe and then to 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 my surprise and probably this was probably my favorite part of the whole night. Out we heard the glass break and Oh no you're came, missing one though. You're missing one. This is the finish. Uh-oh, we can't uh-oh, get to the finish uh-oh. without Delo Brown fat. Oh we did get you know what? We did get. I forgot he was the first Dilo one Brown. to come in after the flock, but I figured we'd hold him off because that was my favorite surprise of the night. I haven't he, uh, seen or thought about D'Lo Brown in so long. It was so nice to see him. He even did the head bomb. Yeah, is he going to do the head shake? That's what they're asking on commentary. He did it. <laughs> the night is complete. We can quit this now. <laughs> and uh, and at the end, we seen Stone Cold Willie, Willie Mack. Mack. <laughs> and he came out with the double birds. And he stunned the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> and he had uh, and he had beers, and he had Steve Weiser. Carl Anderson had to de- had to deliver the beers to the ring because of <laughs> he brought them over and handed them to him. No throwing, just <laughs> just handed them. Walked over and handed them to him. Uh, that that was I, I out of everybody I seen here, I think Willie Mack surprised me the most. Yeah, I think he so. To see like a most... legitimate now wrestler showing yeah. up. Yeah. He's the most current 
um, big name that was on this show, I think, in my opinion. Yes, definitely. And and to see him doing the Stone Cold role was, was entertaining as hell. And that's nothing, as far as I know, and, and I don't know everything, but as far as I know, he's never done that before. I know, like, Shark Boy used to do the Stone Cold thing. He did the Chummer. You know, and he'd go, oh, shell, yeah, and, and he did a, a stone. But, like, I, I don't remember, I don't think Willie Mack has ever done a Stone Cold parody. Like, I think, I I literally think he just did it for this show. Probably. which is Which is more than awesome and just really reflects on this show where it's just a, a one-off what the fuck. I, I just it. I love that this started as a tag team match and it ended up like there wasn't even tag teams at the end. It was singles wrestlers coming out. Oh, it's just people just <laughs> randomly it's, coming out and fighting for just no like reason. any WWE tag team match, you know. A <laughs> hundred, yeah. Uh, then we had the Pro Wrestling Tees special grudge match, seeing Rory Fox. Taking on Swoggle Rider. Swoggle! Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and uh, Swoggle uh, pulled his pants down, as he's yes. done before with Brian Myers. Yes. And um, this time, though, he had a uh, G-string on, not like last time where he exposed <laughs> himself. We didn't get to see the Wang. I was pretty disappointed. I wanted to see Rory Fox's <laughs> Fox. You got to pay more than $15 for that, Fat Mac. Well, I would. I did love but that he I ran, mean, like, all the way to the woods. He's just like, I'm not going to stop running. Which was, match was uh, that, too, where the guy was Irish whipped outside of the ring and he just kept running to the water? But he didn't make it to the water because he got tired of running after running for a while. And he just kinda, wasn't like, that... Uh, no, that wasn't Frankie Coverdale. Um... It might have been. No. I don't remember. Actually, that might have been. That might have been how their segment ended. Nature Boy Paul Lee, Irish whipped him, and he just kept going. That might have yeah, And then they came back. Yeah, actually, I think it is. And they came back, and he had him in the headlock <laughs> and started hitting him. Yep, yep, yeah. I think that is. Yep. Good, good shit. And that's about where my notes end because I had taken a lot of notes and wanted to just enjoy the rest of the show. Well, it's towards the end of the show anyways. Uh, yes. we, we move on to a uh, – we got uh, Chico El Luchador uh, bench pressing and Chavo tries choking him out by pushing the, uh, pushing the bar on top of him. And uh, soon he rolls him up for the 24-7 championship. But when he leaves the room, the weight room, Chad Dubat is there and ends up knocking him out, and he wins the 24-7 championship. So Chad Dubat is the uh, talking shop of Mania 24-7 champion. I I loved the locker room scene with Chavo Guerrero and Chico El Luchador. It was so funny, talking about how, like, they actually did appreciate each other back in the day. da 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 I and Chico I, lays I down for the pin. Your father, I respected your father. <laughs> like they're fighting about who respects each other. It's, it's and and I legitimately thought that they were gonna like. I I guess I'm stupid, or maybe I'm a love struck, or 
optimistic. I thought they were going to stop fighting because they had respect for each other. No, they just <laughs> talked about how much they respected their each other's families, and then they fought again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck that. It was a good time. Uh, although I do wish, since they were fighting in a in a in a in a home gym, I wish they would have spent a lot more time just kind of breathing heavily, like Edge and, and Randy Orton did. There wasn't <laughs> enough of that in that segment for me, but uh, it was still pretty great. We moved on for no reason to Enzo in an empty ring, just talking about that he's here. That's it, I think. That, that's it, yeah, that's it. He was in an empty ring, he said he was here, that was all of it. And to be honest, this is probably my biggest negative of the whole show. I, First of all, I didn't need to see Enzo. Second of all, if you're going to have Enzo, put him in a match, do something with him, put him in a skit, you know? We know right. he's a great talker. As much as I don't like him, he's a great talker. Put him in something. He didn't do nothing but just sit in the ring and said, I lost money coming to this thing. <laughs> yeah, right. He came to a shitty pay-per-view to talk about how shitty it is, even though it's being shitty on purpose. Yeah. I was like, really I, happy to see Enzo. I didn't expect it whatsoever, and it was kind of cool to see him there. I do wish he had a little bit more to do with it. Or or if they just had him there and like he didn't talk because that's so anti-Enzo. And he did kind of spoil the uh, end of the Boneyard match. <laughs> yeah. Not a huge spoiler. No. But he did let us know that there's a dildo sticking up from the ground. <laughs> Which isn't shocking. No, not at all. Oh, the Boneyard match. Uh... And that came next, Pacey, the Boneyard yes. match. What do you have to say about the Boneyard match? <laughs> you know, you... We're pretty on board with the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. I was not so much with it. I thought it had plenty of extra cheese that it didn't need to have, and there was the weird shit with the druids and stuff. And so when right. when they announced that this was the main event, I was more than happy to see the match that I kind of didn't like that much to be fully spoofed and parodied. And they did <laughs> so much better than I ever thought they would. It was pretty spot on. I, I loved everything i uh, god i don't know you want to start at the beginning and work your way through it because there's a lot of good spots in this shit i i you know this is what i don't have a ton of matches on or, or notes on not matches uh we had tons of jokes and references to the original boneyard match they talked they talked about uh undertaker and aj and how they came out in druids and and all of that shit um there was uh, the Rock and Roll Express who was there to uh, pictures. sign sign pictures, <laughs> which was great. Enzo ended up showing up again um, to buy pictures, I guess. Or uh, what, what? What the fuck was Enzo doing there? He was. Uh... I think he was there to buy pictures. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He was just there to buy Rock and Roll Express pictures. Um. The thing I do have a note He was about, the one to go through the, the their table, too. Yes, he was. Um, but the, the thing I do have a note about, there was a flashback spoof of the negotiations between Gallows and Anderson and the Young Bucks to join AEW when their WWE contract was coming up. And um, they 
they basically they made a verbal agreement with the Bucks that they were going to come to AEW, and then they got a, a call from Paul Levesque, and he offered them like an insane amount of money, and they ended up turning down the Bucks, and so the Bucks ended up super kicking them in the office of AEW, which I thought was just hilarious. It was and they awesome. ended they ended it by saying. Yeah, they're probably just going to go to TNA anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which was just, I just fucking, that was some of the best shit ever. Like, talk about insider fucking shit. It was great. That was just awesome. Great. I loved great it. it. It was great. Um, I don't know. They did the double sit up from like Undertaker and Lesnar. <laughs> I love Carl Anderson's his puppet lap. He's doing somebody. I just because I watched part of Raw and somebody on Raw is doing that now, and so that's it's, that's a very current spoof. I, I forget who does it, but yeah, I loved when they sat up at, with each other and did that fucking the laugh spot. It reminded me of Jim Carrey's laugh, but I don't know yeah. where he got it from. <sighs> I just uh, saw but, it too. I, I I can't remember who the fuck it was. I want to say it like uh, Rollins, maybe someone along those lines. I don't know. It was dumb, but as soon as I saw it on Raw, I'm like, that's what Carl Anderson was doing. That's awesome. But uh, Chad Dubad actually ended up winning by burying Sex Ferguson. Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are three... we gonna completely gloss over Uncle Alan's arms sticking out of the dirt? Well, no, we're not there yet. Okay. Well, okay. Oh, no, we are. Yeah, you're right. That's ahead of time. Okay, okay. Tell me about the uh, the jerk-off section session. Because he j- fucking AJ jerked off. Yeah. Uh, Sex Ferguson, right? Sex Ferguson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally gave him a hand job. Totally gave him a hand job. Carl Anderson, Uncle Allen. Why didn't you save us, New York Uncle Allen? I know you switched shows, but still. <laughs> yeah, so there's uh, a, a hand coming up. That's a parody of AJ's hand uh, coming up from the Boneyard match. A- and they take it, and it's just a, it's an arm. It's the, uh, it's the uh, uh, biceps, the elbow, the uh, forearm, and the hand. Yeah. That's that's and, what an arm is comprised of, Fat Mac. Well, you know, there's there's sections of arms. I'm trying to let them know how much of an arm was there. Let's say the whole arm. <laughs> and um, but when he grabs it, he's 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 laying in the fucking dirt, just beat up, and the arm is there, and he grabs it, and uh, while Chad too bad is like monologuing, he sits there and he hand jobs himself <laughs> with AJ's fucking arm the whole time. He's just he's just jerking it on his fucking cock. And then two days later they come oh. out and they say they're trying to convince AJ Styles to go to Impact <laughs> with them. <laughs> it was so great. He's just jerking himself off and even when he gets up he keeps doing the motion until he gets to chat too bad and starts fighting. Like he keeps doing the jerk off. It's fucking awesome. I don't Pacey, I don't know how I forgot about that, but thank you because I forgot about that. 
I'm going to burn your fucking face. Don't burn me. He's just jerking it. Please don't burn me. I love it. Uh, but yeah, Chad too bad one. He buried uh, Sex Ferguson with three uh, three shovels of dirt on his crotch. <laughs> and um, at the very uh, and and he, and he asked if he could have a baby face singles run. That's <laughs> Can I have a baby face singles run? It's <laughs> fucking. I love it. Just so much inside <laughs> shit. It's it's so much fun. But at the very end, we see Sex Ferguson peek out of the uh, the grave with uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason Voorhees' mask. mask on. Very fiend. So he was. Uh, He's he's not down and out. <laughs> so uh, much fun. This is this is too fucking good. Like this, this is something I would buy on DVD. Easily. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm real glad I get to keep it forever because of fight. That's brilliant. Because it's, this is something I'll have anybody who's ever watched wrestling and loved wrestling for any period of their life. This is have something I'll have them sit down and watch. Yeah, non-wrestling fans would hate this. Like yeah. this nobody nobody who's a non-wrestling fan would like this at all. Uh, and, most WWE and, casual fanboys would hate this. For sure. And, and I think they know that. I well, obviously they know that. Come on. <laughs> so um so that's well, not what they're shooting for. Heath Slater that, was there okay. too. That's another one we forgot to talk about. Heath Slater and cuz they were sitting out during the Boner Yard match drunk on some lawn chairs. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just chilling out, relaxing, maxing yeah. off, cool, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. <laughs> when a couple of guys, Sex Ferguson and Chad Too Bad, they were up to no good. Started making trouble in their neighborhood. That's when their mama got scared, and when they said, "You're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air." <laughs> I was, uh, God, I loved this so fucking much. From beginning to end, it was just a beautiful train wreck. Like, even the great thing about when you make something so horrible it's good is even the bad stuff is good. Not everything is great, but it's still good. Yeah. You know, and I think the, um, the commentary lends to that, and I... I said this to you uh, before we started recording. It's reminiscent of uh, ICP and their Stranglemania commentary, yes. where yes. they just take pre-recorded wrestling matches and they just put in the most vulgar and funny and off-the-wall and bullshit uh, commentary you can think of, and it makes those it makes those matches better. It does. I have both Stranglemania DVDs, and I also have some um, Deathmatch DVDs that have those exact same matches. And they're Stranglemania is better. <laughs> yeah, they're different without um, without Guido and um, I can't think of Violent J's uh, name on there, but without uh, the two of them doing their their commentary, yeah, it's it's that'd be different. like watching any of the movies Mystery Science Theater spoofed without the commentary. 
Right, yeah, it's just, it's it isn't the same. Yeah, that's a perfect example, Pasty. Yes. And then, of course, WWE's answer back to this wonderful worst pay-per-view of all time was to air Raw Underground. <laughs> I haven't got a chance to watch it. I don't know that I'll get a chance to watch. You know, they had, like, non-WWE guys in the ring when they first showed it off, and so it was cool to see, like, this big dude beat the shit out of this little dude. And, like, I was like, is it shoot? Is it fake? Those elbows look pretty fake. And then they brought in real wrestlers from WWE, and you were like, oh, yeah, this shit is way fake. What's the point? I don't know. If you haven't saw it, Raw Underground takes place during the third hour of Raw. Not the entire time. They just cut to it every now and then. It's in a darkened portion of the performance center in a ring with no ropes and no turnbuckles. And there's strippers. And then a bunch of guys who just want to fight each other standing around the ring. And it was horrible. I will say I'm a proponent of the faction of... What is it? MVP, Bobby Lashley, and who's the other one? Um, uh, Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin. I'm I'm a fan of that fact. I'm all for that. Yeah. Like that sounds awesome, but I don't want to see it in a fucking Brad Pitt, Edward <laughs> Norton Fight Club thing. Right. Let's just. How about we have that on our show that we need to improve? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Maybe uh, they they were they were introduced in the um No, no they were on Raw beforehand too. Oh, but weren't they on the They yeah, they they the came and they took over apparently. Yeah, they apparently took over at the end of the night. Oh, okay. But uh I guess the only the only picture I've seen of them was on that and I just know cuz there was no ropes and it was dark, so yeah, they did. They like what came out to beat up Apollo Cruz, I think, on on Raw, and then they went to Raw. I do. I mean, I honestly love that stable. To me, those are yeah. three amazing athletes, and you got uh, MVP who can fucking talk. Like he's your talker. Yeah. You got you got uh, Bobby Lashley who's your muscle, and you got Shelton Benjamin who's your workhorse. Yeah, your technical. That's guy. a perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect. You couldn't come up with a a, a better three man team, so right. that's awesome. But let's oh man, let's I want to see them versus the Full Might. Xavier Woods has to come back, but the Full Might a new day that'd be fun. fun that fun, actually fun. would be a really yeah, that'd be a really good match. One thing that was pointed out: every single match on Raw involved an African American superstar, which is something I'm both proud of and disgusted by at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, no, why are you disgusted by it? That's because, not a big hot topic right now. But it's been a big hot topic, and WWE is still just trying to... It's just, I don't know, it's weird. Hey, let's just be proud there's enough African Americans yes. that are employed by them and who haven't been released that they can do that. Like, yeah. l let's make the most positive out of it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just <laughs> assume, let's assume the best. Let's assume they didn't plan it that way. And let's assume that there's just that many great, talented African-Americans that they were able to do that. I, I want to go that direction. Um, I, I don't watch the program, so I don't know. But I, <laughs> I would like to. No, I, but I'd like to assume that. I only watched it because they said they were debuting a new faction, so I thought maybe it was Undisputed Era. They still haven't I unveiled that gonna... faction, though. 
they, oh, I thought it was going to be UE, but it was yeah. it was the uh, or they call retribution is the what Bobby, they're called, and we don't the know. Bobby Lashley. No, no, it's not. It, oh, it's not. Oh. It's a another gang. There, it's it's the hackers faction. Apparently, the the one who's been hacking oh, since okay, before so WrestleMania. Who are, who whatever. are they? We don't know yet. There, there. It's at least four or five guys in black hoodies, and they threw rocks at a transformer and blew it up. So they didn't tell us who it was. Even no. No, they didn't tell us who it was, and they brought Shane McMahon back to, to debut <laughs> Raw Underground, which is something they didn't talk about before the show. <laughs> but they talked mm. about the faction. The faction was to get you there, and then once you were there, they're going to make you sit and watch Raw Underground. <laughs> well, I, I hope Undisputed Era isn't the people throwing rocks at Transformers. Well, apparently Adam Cole got knocked the fuck out by what's-his-fuck, the, the kicker for NFL that he just got in that fake shoot fight with on the podcast we talked about it last week yeah Um, knocked out adam cole so they're gonna they're gonna do what they were gonna do to adam cole on the main roster and bury him with a celebrity but on nxt that's disgusting (laughs) that's some weird shit but I suppose now we can uh, probably crack on into this week's Savage Sentinel. What do you think about that? Um, you know, there's not a lot here, but what we have is pretty fucking juicy, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start off based the police in Columbus, Georgia, are reportedly investigating former Midnight Rocker Marty Gennetti over a bizarre Facebook post that he made Wednesday morning. Janetti posted about how he allegedly murdered a gay man who tried to sexually assault him behind a Victory Lanes bowling alley where they both worked when Janetti was 13 years old. He said he had been buying marijuana from the man, and Janetti also indicated that he got rid of the body by dumping it in the Chattahoochee River. Chattahoochee. Way down yonder by the Chattahoochee. You know that? No. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A a spokesperson for the Columbus Police Homicide and Cold Case Division said, quote, We are going to look into this. The first step will be seen if we have any missing persons or unidentified remains cases that match the limited information in the post. Now, the Genetti investigation won't receive priority and won't be any kind of, quote, all-hands-on-deck investigation, and they will have to remain... uh, um, Oh, 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 hold on. All-hands-on-deck situation. As a spokesperson noted that they have several current active homicide investigations underway and will have to remain the priority. Janetti mentioned in his original post that his brother Gino had just returned from the Vietnam War when the incident happened. The former WWE Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion was born in February 1960, so he would have turned 13 in 1973 when he says the event happened. The Vietnam War officially ended in April 1975, but troops had been returning to had been returning at various times before the war ended. 
For what it's worth, the Chattahoochee River does run through the Columbus area, and there are also records of Victory Lane's Family Bowling Center in Columbus around that time, and the facility was located on Fort Benning Road, which is right next to the Chattahoochee River. Um, Marty Gennetti, he's a big storyteller. He talks a lot about these 13-year-old girls that want to fuck him, and should I date this 16-year-old girl? And uh, he, he always has something to say. I, I guess I personally don't buy this. I think it's an attention grab, but wow, if it's real pasty. I mean, either way, he should be locked up, right? For If he did it or if he's just spinning this story to garner attention. I mean, one way he should be locked up in prison, one way he should be locked up in a mental, a mental institute, yes. Yeah. Uh... But, um... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This, uh... Old Marty Gennetti always keeps digging more and more holes. Yeah, he does. So weird. <clears throat> what do you think? Do you think he did it? Uh, no. I think he's lying. He talks a lot. He talks an awful, awful lot. And I think if you did it, you wouldn't just throw it on Facebook. Unless he had a unless, moment of clarity. Unless you wanted... Well, no, unless you wanted attention. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he'll get picked up by CZW now or something. <laughs> CZW, CZW, C... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fat Mac, it was revealed over the weekend that Scott Steiner's Shoney's Kitchen Bar and Franchise in Aceworth, Georgia, has been closed down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Steiner and his wife opened the restaurant back in 2016 released a statement saying, we have closed this business due to COVID-19. We appreciate your patronage over the last four years. The Shoney's had been open until this past weekend when they abruptly announced that they were closing. Another victim of the pandemic. Although Steiner wrote on Twitter, we're doing the math and we're opening a sports bar instead. <laughs> Him and his math. Open a sports bar when there's no sports to watch. Scott Steiner, what are you thinking? God damn it. Do the math, <laughs> Steiner. Do the math. He did the Steiner math. It, it equated sports bar. We're going to open an amphitheater where everybody can gather around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always wanted to hit up the Scott Steiner Shoney, so I'm, I'm disappointed it's gone because... I really wanted to check it out, but that's that's just me. It is what it is. I'm not hurt by it. We'll just have to go to a sports bar. I guess so. <laughs> Talking about sports, maybe in the sports bar you can watch uh, the XFL because pasty Dwayne The Rock Johnson is teaming up with his ex-wife and a top sports management company to buy the bankrupt XFL Football League for 50 million dollars it seems like a pennies on the dollar yeah <laughs> i'm sure the rock's house cost more than that oh yeah <laughs> fuck yeah it does 
Johnson, who is a former WWE wrestling star who has become one of Hollywood's most bankable action heroes, and the partners are purchasing the assets of the XFL from Alpha Entertainment, a private company that was founded by WWE Chairman CEO Vince McMahon. But even though the XFL didn't score a financial or ratings touchdown back then, some fans, I don't know who, still have hope for a new football league that could challenge the NFL. I tell you what, I've never once in my life said, you know, I really don't like football. I wish there was other football for me to watch. Yeah, right? (laughs) And nobody else has ever said, you know what, I really love the NFL and I wish somebody else would come along so I could watch them also. <laughs> but that spurred the decision to launch the second iteration of the XFL earlier this year, featuring eight teams, a shorter play clock, and new rules designated to both speed up the game and make it safer at a time when the NFL has come under fire for a rash of player concussions. Well, they made now, it safer when they went bankrupt and got rid of everybody, right? Oh, Nobody yeah, could get injured he, then. Exactly. So Johnson's decision to take part in a group to buy the XFL was rooted deeply in two things, he says. My passion for the game and my desire to always take care of the fans, according to a statement. Now, remember, The Rock did start his career out in uh, U of M, um, the he was a football player before he became a wrestler, so he does have football roots. Yes, indeed. He added that he looks forward to creating something special for the players, fans, and everyone involved for the love of football. The bankruptcy court still needs to approve the deal at a hearing on August 7th. If that happens, the purchase should be completed by the end of this month. Johnson is partnering with Danny Garcia, a film and movie producer who was married to Johnson for more than 10 years before they divorced in 2007, as well as Redbird Capital, a company founded by former Goldman Sachs partner Gary Cardinal. Garcia and Johnson co-founded Seven Bucks Production, and she is listed as a producer of several of Johnson's top hits, including Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and the Jumanji single sequel, I'm sorry, The Next Level. Also Rampage, Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shobbs, Hobbs and Shaw, and the HBO sports comedy Ballers. Only one of those things you listed were good things. No wonder he has to buy a football league to try to recoup. We talking about the first Jumanji? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't I've watched the second, second one. I okay. want to because it's got was it got Danny DeVito in it and uh, and um, yeah it does and Danny Glover. Uh, I was gonna say Don Chiddle, but maybe yeah Danny Glover. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked <laughs> but the like, first one. I want to see them play themselves in Jumanji and not somebody play them in you know how because that's how they do in jumanji it's the actors but they're acting like something that they're not to yep. fit. So, you know i i just i don't want to see It'll that be interesting but I, I i honestly liked the the first uh, yeah yeah the first jumanji. one was very good very good yeah so, the ending was a little wonky but 
it was it was overall a good movie. Lots. Yeah, of we lots. like wonkies. And I heard nothing about shit about Rampage and Hobbs and Shaw. And I guess Ballers probably did good, but I'm not going to watch an HBO sports comedy about basketball. No. No. So, bankruptcy, uh... No, that's all. That's already said. That's done. Yeah. That's a a pretty clever way to get around alimony, though, don't you think? Just, Just get a business... Buy a business with your ex-wife. Now you get half of this, and now leave me the fuck alone. Well, I guess if she's if she's partners in his seven bucks uh, entertainment, she's she's part of it anyways. So. Seven fucks is more like it. Wink, wink, oh, nudge, oh, nudge. Oh, I feel bad for the Rock's current wife. <laughs> seven fucks. I'm giving seven fucks to women. I didn't even know their name. <laughs> Uh, so I guess that brings us to this week's edition of Comings and Goings! Oh no! Where did they go? Where are they coming? I don't know. Vince believes he won the Wednesday Night War as he has signed Khan. He's got a con! Yes. Khan! As William Shatner would say. Thank you. WWE is named Nick Khan, their new president and chief revenue officer. Khan will report directly to WWE chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. McMahon said in a press release, Nick is a seasoned media executive with a deep understanding of our business and a proven track record of generating significant value for sports and entertainment properties. While representing WWE at CAA, he was instrumental in transforming our business model by securing domestic media rights increases of 3.6 times over our previous agreements. Nick's management style and personal demeanor are perfect for WWE's entrepreneur cultural cu- culture, and he will fit right with our exceptional management team. Khan is the former co-head of television at Creative Artist Agency, CAA, and has worked with other top companies in the industry. This is pretty great. You think you think just people are too afraid to tell him that it's not Tony that he got? Like, you, <laughs> you bought the wrong con, Vince. He just wants a con. Is there a relation there at all? I'm pretty sure not. Huh? He's got a lot of money in, 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 in the sports and entertainment industries. I just, I, I think that'd be funny. And then he plays in, that'd be awesome because then they could play him into WWE TV and storyline. <laughs> Give me a second, Pasty. I got something caught in my throat. Ooh, somebody's dying. I am. I'm dying. Ooh. I'll go right on to the next story. We can come back to this one to talk about it as soon as you're alive again. James Kimball is leaving UFC for WWE, according to Mark Raimondi of ESPN. Kimball has been working as the head of operations for the UFC Performance Institute, which has locations in Las Vegas, Nevada, Shanghai, China. Yes. He will now take place, take a senior business operational role with WWE. Working out of WWE's headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut, Dr. Duncan French is taking over Kimball's former job at the UFC Performance Institute, according to MMA Junkie. You, you still dead? 
I think he's still dead, folks. Uh, that's fun. With that being said, we'll be trucking right along to the injury report. Whew. Kind of a painful one this week, folks, as on the Wrestling Inc. Daily podcast, Diamond Dallas Page revealed his family has recently been affected by COVID-19 as he, his girlfriend, and daughter, Brittany, all caught the virus. No wonder Jake the Snake Roberts is so keen to get the fuck out of there, huh? <laughs> I can understand that. <laughs> and I'm actually alive. Woo! <laughs> I'm glad. Oh. I had a piece of something that I had to hock up out of my throat. It's something that the uh, listeners did not want to hear, I believe. Uh, but yes, we are talking about Diamond Dallas Page and his family's coronavirus contractions. Contractual obligations. <laughs> um, Not good. No. It's, it's actually very sad. Um, obviously, when you get it in the house, it's hard to uh, it's hard to prevent it from other folks. So, I wonder how many people at the DDPY studio got it. Hopefully, nobody. I mean, it doesn't look like DB, DDP had it. So, at least according to this, yes. But we hope the best for both his wife and his daughter. And we hope they come out of this with a clean bill of health. And uh, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. It's going around. Um, something that isn't going around is ladder matches. Because, you know, that's not something that goes around, pasty. But Dexter Loomis of NXT fame has been pulled from the five-man ladder match at NXT TakeOver X due to an ankle injury. It's been announced that the superstars who were not pinned or submitted in the previous Triple Threat qualifiers will meet in two singles matches to determine who will replace Dexter. Well, that's just overly complicated. Well, if you ever watch the show Dexter that he's based off of, it's overly complicated. (laughs) Uh, I I always found it, you know what, I always found it weird that they actually kept the uh, Dexter gimmick that Impact had with him. Just because it was so kind of dated. I don't know if they thought that it was so dated people wouldn't notice it, or... It's WWE, they do that a lot. Like, oh, nobody's going to get where this came from. Yeah, but to literally name him Dexter, it's like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's real Dexter. on the nose. Yeah. I, yeah, I honestly don't know anybody who's they, going out of their way to watch Dexter in 2020 either. <laughs> they at least, uh, you know, in, in TNA, they at least called him Samuel Shaw, but he had the the Dexter gimmick, but it's like... Yeah, I, I mean, it's, so it's, so he it's plays a cop it. who is secretly a, a, a serial killer in wrestling. <laughs> he plays a, um, a yeah, a, a, a obsessive serial killer. Yeah. Okay. With the gloves and the uh, 
the dress up and everything. Yeah, he's 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 Dexter. He's not necessarily a cop, but he plays the um, the obsessive. Um, That'd be a great role for your for your fake medic. Who's your fake medic? No, just any any promotions fake medic. You know the the medics they have come out to ringside to check on people, but this guy's actually in the storyline and is a serial killer. So nobody oh. wants to get hurt and have to go see him. I don't know. That'd be a cool wrestling storyline. Just that would saying. actually, yeah. No, just I saying. dig that. I, I dig it. <laughs> it's better than Dexter Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <sighs> there you go. What else we got, pasty? Ah, uh, yes. Indie wrestling star, marvelous Mitch Ryder, has passed away at the age of forty-eight. The news was first announced by his close friend, Ian Rotten, on Facebook. Who the Ryder. fuck is Ian? Who the fuck pronounces that Ian? Okay, I went to school with a kid with the last name of Hale, and he had a brother named Ian, but we always called him Ian because the last name is Hale, and that was pretty cool. So the, that's why. What the fuck does that mean? Ian Hale. Oh, okay. Like, it, like it took smoke me a weed it in high me, school. No, it took me a second. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> well, okay, like Mike Hunt. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, but it was a real person. I actually knew him. I inhale. Yes. Well, I, I, it's just weird because <laughs> the the Sharknado guy is fucking Ian um, Schuringer or whatever, and it's spelled Ian, but he always insists it's Ian. <laughs> And it's like, you motherfucker, it's Ian. If you weren't a celebrity, it'd be Ian. Why the fuck are you... It's not Ian. Who the fuck's ever been Ian? So, I mean, I guess if he was African-American, I'd get it. They do that from time to time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it happens. But, no, you're Ian. Ian Ron. What the fucking Ian... Start it over, Pacey. Call yes, back to me paying respects to the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous oh. Mitch Ryder has been a part of the indie wrestling scene since he was a teenager, competing with promotions like Shikara, Combat Zone Wrestling, and Indiana's Coliseum Championship Wrestling during his career. He first debuted in 1990 under the ring name Mitch Bell. Ryder had the opportunity to work with WCW in 1992, and he was featured as an enhancement talent against star like Cactus Jack and ravishing Rick Rude. After competing for many years in a variety of promotions, Ryder opened his own promotion in 2007 called XWC Midwest. Marvelous Mitch was a mentor, a centaur, no. He was a centaur. <laughs> he had four legs, a tail. Why wouldn't we arms. have said that first? That seems <laughs> to be the most important part of the news. <laughs> seems like it's a big thing, but, you know, it's just something that we come across. Yeah, he's a centaur. It happens. It's like, um, it's like, um, out, what is it? Out, not outreach. What was the, what was the, the Disney movie? Outreach. Uh, out, out world, out, out, word, uh, other world, the blue guys. <laughs> Did you not watch it with your kids? Is that is that the new one with the half dad? Oh, it's semi new, but yes, it's a half dad. 
With the pants, the dad's the pants. Yeah, they well, yeah, people wear pants. They bring their dad half back from the dead and only their mom is happy. Their mom is not happy, but yes. But but she's got the the dick again. <laughs> she got the dick again. It's missing what the tip though. <laughs> just the tip. I don't oh, know what that oh, movie's called. Uh, Outworld. Outworld? Otherworld? Uh, Outworld is Mortal Kombat. I don't think that's the same thing. God damn it. Okay, well, <laughs> continue your story. I'm sorry. No, that was... Oh, oh yeah. He was a centaur and a, and a trainer to many stars, which we watch in wrestling today, including Lince Dorado, Drew Gulak, and Chris Hero. Yeah, I try, I try not to watch Chris his, Hero uh, matches. We wish the best for his uh, family and friends, and um, we'll miss him. Yeah, he's definitely. If nothing else, his legacy will continue on, and Lindsay, Drew, and and Hero. Yes, indeed. With that, pasty uh, talking shop of mania. I think shipped it's out to an end. <laughs> I, I really want... I, I'm really hoping they do a sequel to it at the end they left us on a cliffhanger saying there may, might be a sequel maybe they're they're a uh, gosh they're gonna do a sequel. I'm just There's right now a, I'm, 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 I'm so pissed I'm so pissed that they signed with impact because I would love this to be a promotion just a parody of wrestling promotion but remember how impact um flourished the um the broken universe yes so hello like they're they're gonna be they're gonna take all the credit for it too (laughs) well probably (laughs) and maybe they should maybe they shouldn't but yeah they probably will but i mean i think they'll support it that's a plus yeah yeah and i yeah i i hope it does because if it's anything like it was this year, it can't be horribly expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like it cost it costs money for them to do this, but but the most expensive part God. is like what pay it paying Teddy Long to be there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. they're friends, so he probably didn't even charge much. The talent is. The I'm sure a lot of them. Expense, a lot of them. So. They just got him with the beer. Come over and get drunk, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna record a pay per view." <laughs> Oh, for sure. So I, I love it. I think it's great. I hope they do do another one. Well, Fat I'm Mac, I love you, and I think Impact you're great. Wrestling, and I think it's good that uh, I think Impact will allow them to prosper. And you know, now that we've we've got a proof of concept, I think Impact will would probably help them produce another one. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so many funny parts that I'm just thinking of now that it's the end of the show that we didn't even go over. Spend the $15, go order it yourselves, watch it, and uh, come chat with us about it on Facebook.com slash Podcast. It's, uh, yeah, we'll be there waiting for you with bells on. Just a couple of good brothers. Couple of good brothers waiting to have a convo. Yes. And uh, with that being said, I guess this is the end of the show. Fat Mac, it's been wonderful doing the show with you. And as always, my name is 
Pasty. And Pasty has been wonderful doing the show with you, and my name is Fat Mac. And you've listened to Beef Sticks Podcast, the worst podcast in history. We'll see you next week. Fuck them.